Welcome to the Daughters Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter S.T. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra-Renee. I'm Sister Julie Marie Benedicta. And we are joined today by... Sister Emily Beata. Welcome, Sister Emily. Thank you. It's nice to have you on today. It's nice to be here. First time. <laughs> First time. <laughs> First time caller, long time right. listener. Um, relatively long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> Just quantify that a little bit. <laughs> Lifetime listener. There you go. <laughs> no, it's great to be here. Do you want to tell us a little something about yourself? Yes. So, um... Well, I was born in Buffalo, New York, met the sisters when I was in high school, um, entered halfway through college. This is like the super short version (laughs) of my vocation story. Um, And yeah, I I am now stationed in our community in Alexandria, Virginia, and I serve as the vocation director for our province. Yeah, which is super cool. It is super cool. Yes. Yeah. So what does it mean to be a vocation director? It means I know all the things and I tell all the secrets. No. <laughs> it does not if you are concerned. And if you are considering discerning a vocation with the Daughters of St. Paul, it that will is the remain exact confidential. opposite of what it means. <laughs> you uh, do not need to be afraid of Sister Emily. <laughs> Although some people are. <laughs> no. Um, so the vocation director works with young women who are interested in discerning with the Daughters of St. Paul. So I'm blessed to receive, you know, email, phone, DM inquiries from women every week who just want to know more either about discernment, about religious life, or specifically about our community. So I share that with them and accompany them on their journey of discernment, organize opportunities for them to come visit us either in person or online. Um, and yeah, it's it's actually, it's a real privilege because sometimes I, I get on the phone with with young ladies and I'm hearing about their journey of discernment and, and how God is working in their life. And I'm just sitting there thinking, it, I'm so blessed and so privileged to be able to hear this right now and to, mm-hmm. to reflect back to them. God is working in your life and it's beautiful that you're open to him. So yeah, to anyone listening who is considering <laughs> a vocation, um, it never hurts to reach out and and it's a great blessing and privilege for, for all sisters, for all vocation directors to hear the work of God in people's lives. So yeah, it's pretty special. <laughs> Actually, I remember when I was discerning, you you were kind of in tra- you were kind of in training to be the vocation director. Yes, I yeah, that. I was the assistant. Yeah, yes. yeah, you spent a week with us. I did. So for our content in the convent today, we have kind of a special announcement slash sharing. Sister Benedicta, do you want to? Yeah, bring us slash that? invitation. Yes. Ooh. So. Um, about a year ago, when uh, the book Mysterion, The Revelatory Power of the Sacramental Worldview, was released uh, with Father Harrison and, and many of the listeners to the podcast will recognize that that's what the last season of the podcast was actually about. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Father Harrison come out here to Boston and we filmed a six-part I guess 6.5 part because there is a conclusion that's kind of like a seventh episode, but um, but it's very short. So we, we filmed a six part uh, video series kind of going over some of the content in the book in a little bit more of like a really casual kind of um, invitational sort of way so that people could watch these videos and have group discussions about them and things. And we uh, have been over the season of Easter releasing them one at a time. 
And so now we're just about done with that, and we will have the full series available for free um, up on our Vimeo uh, account. So in order to get the, the link for that, you just um, you go to connect.pauline.org slash Mysterion, and we'll have the link for that in the show notes. And all you have to do is sign up there, and we will send you the code to watch the entire series for free. There's a downloadable PDF that goes along with it um, and some other little bonus materials so we're super excited to have that done. It's really been the last year of my life, really yeah. kind of <laughs> working on this. So um, honestly, the content is just like fantastic. It's really fabulous. Every time I hear it again, I'm just like, wow, this is really rich. And I can't wait for parishes to get a hold of it, to watch these videos and have the discussions together. And they're short. They're, I think, between 18 and 25 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, the little downloadable PDF has a few kind of uh, discussion questions or journal prompts and some for further reading uh, dealy bobs. So that's our <laughs> our favorite part. <laughs> yeah. So that's our um, that's our little invitation to everybody who uh, might be interested in hearing a little bit more of what Father Harrison has to say about the sacramental worldview. And each episode also concludes with a brief um Reflection on Art with Sister Danielle Victoria. She mm -hmm. leads us through a Visio Divina, which is kind of like a Lexio Divina, but with art. And she was the artist for the covers of the book. She was. Yeah. Yeah. So we have some icons, um, some Orthodox icons uh, that we reflect on with each episode, um, kind of connected to the topic of the episode. So I'm excited that it's available and out there in the world now. And so mm -hmm. I would love it if you all checked it out. And I can actually recommend, I loved the book Mysterion. Um, and the ninth chapter is on prayer. Yes. And I have been recommending that to my young women in discernment. Because, oh, cool. Yeah, because I think Father really captured what what prayer is or what we what what our hope is in prayer. Mm -hmm. Right. It's I, I actually I quoted him in a retreat that we had um, a recent vocation retreat that we had because he said something about prayer is not a program to better yourself or or a mm -hmm. program for self actualization, but it's it's an encounter with God, right? And it's a participation mm -hmm. in Jesus's relationship with the Father. Yeah. So if we're united with Jesus in everything, we're also united with Him in His relationship with the Father, and that is basically what prayer is. So I especially recommend awesome. <laughs> Chapter Nine. Awesome, <laughs> that's fantastic, and also just the book generally is great. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's our little plug. We don't often talk about some of the other work we're doing we're just on the podcast. We're just super pumped about this. <laughs> I'm really excited about Blatantly it. and shamelessly excited. Yeah. So, Sister Emily, you chose a really interesting passage today to Thank share you. with us for us to pray with. So could you tell us what the citation is and maybe lead us in praying with it today? Yeah. So the citation is from one of the letters of St. Paul. It's the first letter to Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. A reading from the first letter of Paul to Timothy. I am grateful to him who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he considered me trustworthy in appointing me to the ministry. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and an arrogant man, but I have been mercifully treated because I acted out of ignorance in my unbelief. Indeed, the grace of our Lord has been abundant, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of these, I am the foremost. 
But for that reason, I was mercifully treated, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display all his patience as an example for those who would come to believe in him for everlasting life. To the King of ages, incorruptible, invisible, the only God, honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's a rich one, eh? There's a lot there. Yeah, yeah. So what inspired you to pick this particular excerpt? Yeah, you know, so full disclosure, I was not really all about St. Paul <laughs> before or even after I became a daughter of St. Paul. You know, his his letters are, they are beautiful and there's a ton there. Um but they're also they can be wordy, you mm-hmm. know. They, you hear them most often as the second reading at mass. So at that point, you've sat through the the first reading <laughs> and the psalm, and you're like thinking about the gospel. <laughs> and sometimes the second reading just kind of, and and if it's a lot of words, right, it just kind of flows over you. Um, but in in formation, as I kind of studied more the letters of Saint Paul and certainly prayed more with them, I came to really appreciate Saint Paul as as a person and as mm-hmm. a real person. Um, who struggled with things even after his conversion. I think I always had this concept that like St. Paul was going 60 miles an hour one way and then he met Jesus and he turned around and he went 60 miles an hour the other way. <laughs> but I think there's a lot more nuance to St. Paul than that. Um, and and even in this passage, so I, I chose this passage because I think it really illustrates um, some, some really deep threads in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and... One of them being, you know, he says he's the foremost of sinners, right? And I I always remember reading that and thinking like, yeah, right, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> doesn't everybody kind of say that? You know, like, oh, yeah, I'm a big sinner. Like, did St. Paul really believe that? But but I, I have come to realize in my prayer with, with his letters and with St. Paul that he really did believe in his own sinfulness and in the mercy of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And... And those two things are never separated in Paul, right? He's never, he's never focused on his sinfulness or on his weakness without turning to the mercy of God that he is equally deeply convicted of. So mm-hmm. to me, I, I, I can't remember when I first came across this passage and when it first like really struck me. It might have been during the year of mercy, actually, because it has some oh, lines about mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just started to realize like, oh, he's serious about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like it when he's... He's kind of listing off, um, and my translation is a little bit different than yours, but he's saying, you know, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, and my translation says, an insolent opponent. Yeah. So basically, he's like, I was a straight up jerk. Yeah. (laughs) Which I really love. I think that is something that blows me away about the humility of St. Paul is that, you know, we hear him in in other places um, sharing all of the things that he could potentially boast about should he choose to, because you can tell those were the things that he was rooting himself in before. Mm-hmm. He knew that he had been very prideful before, but he wasn't aware of his own pride until he met the person of Jesus Christ, who is the example ultimately of humility. And as soon as he came face to face with that humility, that God who empties himself, he was like, oh. I'm pretty cocky. I'm pretty full of myself and I'm pretty wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and I love that. Yeah. That is where all of his humility comes from. Yeah. I was thinking too, um, I recently was asked to give a talk on my own experience of God's call. And for whatever reason, I felt the Lord kind of inviting me to do it all in the context of um, the conversion of St. Paul. Mm. And 
I just was like really struck to share like, and and it's kind of been sitting with me ever since. Um, Saul was still breathing murderous threats. Yeah. <laughs> like that's when Jesus showed up. He yeah. was still breathing murderous threats. <laughs> and like, so... I don't know. Like, it's just it's sometimes it's so easy to kind of feel like we can exclude ourselves from this world of like these saints who are called to these things and just like, you know, whatever. And even like when you're talking about like he's going, it's not that he's going 60 miles an hour (laughs) one way and then like. But he was for a while. He was. He was. But also also it's easier to move. It's easier to turn a moving truck. Right. Mm. Like if a truck is sitting still, it's a lot harder to turn it around than if it's moving even in the wrong direction. So it's like just kind of this whole idea of like he was moving, he was doing something. And even though that something was non ideal, um, (laughs) you know, he did actually think he was doing God's work at the time. And so it was easier for God to move him because he was already moving. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to redirect a moving vehicle than it is to pick one up and turn it the other way like like i imagine picking up a kitten and being like nope go, go the other direction now please <laughs> Keep <those lights> moving. <laughs> yeah so yeah so just kind of like that idea that saul was still breathing murderous threats when when his life was totally flipped around and um and he says here that it's for that reason yes. that he was mercifully treated right yes. yeah. and this this translation says um uh, for that reason, I was mercifully treated. There's other translations that say, for that reason, I received mercy. Yeah, and I think I think those three words, like, that's the identity of Paul, mm-hmm. right? I, I am one who has received mercy. Mm-hmm. That's what mine says. But I received mercy for this reason. And I love that it just like kind of flows into, I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about him, right? Whether he's sinning or whether he's receiving mercy, it's about yeah. Jesus and showing forth the mercy of Jesus. Yeah. I love that he almost paints Jesus as like a show off here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look what I can do with yes. this one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ta-da! But isn't that kind of beautiful? Like to yeah. think about God looking at us and saying, well, look what I can do with you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that that word identity um, mm-hmm. that's coming up because I think that that's really what Paul showcases with his whole life is that, you know, he I, I forget which letter it's in where he's listing off like I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was mm-hmm. he lists off all the things he used to put his identity in. And then he kind of shifts and says, but I count all of that as rubbish. Mm-hmm. Actually, he uses his, a more coarse a word, than word that, for rubbish. Yes, <laughs> that we will not say here, but it's in the letter in, in the original language. And. To say that like that, it doesn't matter anymore to me. Not that not that it's not good in and of itself. Not those not that those things aren't good. But like that is not where my identity lies. And here he's kind of pulling that out too. That these are all the things I were before. And as you said, Sister Emily, like super conscious of his own sinfulness. But that's not where his identity is rooted. It is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, who has shown him this mercy so that he can truly live in him. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that Jesus offers to each one of us that. We are not defined by our mistakes. We are not defined by our talents or successes either. We are defined by the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think of too, like, as we're talking about, like, how he changes our identity and how it's almost like God is like, look what, look what I can do with this one. I, I immediately came to mind for me that um, there's a prayer in one of the Eucharistic prayers where it says, God who wondrously created man and even more wondrously redeemed him. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that he created us out of nothing 
is less amazing right. than the redemption. Right. And in, <laughs> I think it might be the same Eucharistic prayer. This one always like turns me upside down when the priests use it. They don't use it that often. Um, that the cause of our downfall might become the yes. reason for our salvation. Mm, yes. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. And and it's one of those threads that flows through St. Paul, right? So if mm-hmm. you're reading his mm-hmm. letters, you can kind of pick up that he's all about, you know, my my weakness is not important. It's only important insofar as it's the place where God met me. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, the, the one of those famous lines, St. Paul's always saying, I boast in my weakness. That's yeah. another line where I was like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> nobody is happy about their failures. Right? I mean, tell me another one. Like, yeah, right. But, but again, praying with St. Paul, I've really come to believe that he did believe that. And the reason that he boasts in it is precisely because he sees Jesus met me here. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't have this weakness in a paradoxical way, I would not have met Jesus in the same way. Yeah. Um, so I think that for me has become a great reason for hope and a really like practical way to meet Jesus day to day. Because mm-hmm. when I feel those mm-hmm. those kind of moments coming where I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of a little reminder like, well, Jesus is coming too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful example of how we don't we don't rejoice in our sin, but at the same time, like when Jesus comes and meets us in those places, it shatters shame. Yeah, you know, there's there's of course we we naturally feel guilt. That's a good thing. It brings us to repentance, but it shatters that that clinging to guilt or that clinging to shame because he shows us like, no, I am turning this into a place of encounter. I am turning this into a place where I can come and dwell and heal and reveal myself to you in a way that you wouldn't have known me before, you know? Mm -hmm. And then in turn, he allows us to share that with other people who might be going through the same thing or something similar. It just, it changes everything for us and for the people around us if we're willing to let him do his thing in that space. Yeah. I love too, like in the very beginning of this passage, verse 12, when he says, I thank him who's given me strength for this, Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he judged me faithful by appointing mm-hmm. me to his service. Right? He judged me faithful. Already. He didn't judge me worthy. He didn't judge me strong enough. He didn't judge me smart enough. <laughs> he didn't judge me any of these other things. He judged me faithful. And so like it's almost like the only thing required of him is his fidelity. Mm-hmm. The only thing that God's asking from him is fidelity and everything else he's giving him. He's given me the strength, you know. Um, he's given me the mercy and and so on, as he describes through the other letters, all of the things that he's received from the Lord. And it's just the fidelity is the one thing he's asking for. Mm. Yeah, it's the it's the perspective of God, right? Because yeah. if, if you put on your resume, like, well, I'm not I'm not great at pretty much anything, but I am faithful. <laughs> right? yeah. It doesn't work. They're it like, doesn't uh, work. Okay, have a yeah. nice life yep. next. <laughs> but that is all all God requires. And I think yes. it's cool that that's at the beginning of this passage. It's at the beginning of Paul's call mm-hmm. where he hasn't done anything yet. Right. right? right. So yeah. we look back on Paul's life and yeah, he traveled the known world. He preached. Mm-hmm. He wrote all these letters. He preached the gospel to anyone that crossed his path and all those who didn't cross his path. <laughs> that's right. But but that hadn't happened yet. God God in calling him is judging him faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I think that's it's a great reason for hope because we don't we don't have to be anything mm-hmm. besides the the little creatures that God made us when yeah. He calls us. Yeah. I was thinking I was texting with a sister recently, and um, I was just I was 
kind of commending her on just kind of like something that she was going through and just like the strength that she was having in a particular situation and something. And she she just kept replying, oh, it's all God's grace. It's all God's grace. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but sister, grace has to be received. Yeah. And I think that it's beautiful that you're receiving that grace and your fidelity is very, you know, edifying to me. Mm-hmm. And um, And it's just like, it has to be received. And the reception itself is a fidelity. So like the... Just being able to receive the grace of God, being able to even see that he's trying to give it to us. And even like sometimes we don't want that grace. (laughs) Sometimes I don't want to be considered strong enough for this particular task or this particular ministry or this particular whatever. I did not ask for this. Sometimes I would rather that somebody else be judged better for for the particular role or something. But but God gives it to whom he will. And it's up to us just to receive it and to put it into practice and to recognize that it's his gift and that it's um, it's something lovely and it's something, yeah, just like stunningly beautiful, actually. Yeah. And that reception of grace is so important. And it is something that we can ask for the grace to help open us yes. up to yes. receiving yes. grace. Yes. That's something yes. we can ask for if you're if you're struggling with that. I know um, in, in the story of a soul, St. Therese talks about how like she was kind of struggling seeing how you know, there's great saints and there's like little ones. And like, <laughs> why are there just, why can't we all be super cool and great? And basically she's, she's kind of going through her own struggle and she actually voices the feeling or the perception, although she knows that it's not the case, that, you know, God comes to some people who are such great sinners and like practically forces his grace upon them. And, and, and then it just happens. It's like magic. And then there's, there are these amazing saints. And she knows that that's not exactly the case, and she goes on to explain that. But, <laughs> but in that perception, I think we really do. I'm so glad she voiced that because a lot of us do look at people and feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like, how? Like God just gave you this gift, and mm-hmm. poof, now you're amazing. And and what about me? Like, why why won't He give that to me? You know. And the reality is that God gives us all grace it, for different things. You know. He, I mean, salvation. Obviously, He gives. To any of us who accept it, but mm-hmm. but he does give us grace for different things, and he asks us to play different parts in in the salvation of the world and in the unification of our sufferings and our actions to that those of Christ. Um, but the reality is that he does not force his grace upon us. He didn't do it to Judas. He mm-hmm. didn't do it to anybody. We're we're always free to respond. And even Mary at the Annunciation, she was free to respond. And like Eve before her. She could have said no, mm-hmm. and she did not. And that is why we look to Mary as such a beautiful example. Paul could have said no. On the road to Damascus, when Jesus came down and blinded him, he could have been like, <laughs> well, forget you, man. You don't even care about me. You just made me blind. And he could have stopped right there, right yeah. then and there, and said, yep, I saw the risen Jesus, and I don't like him, and mm-hmm. I'm not following him. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. And he had the humility at that point to say, no, I have been pursuing God my whole life, and God just actually revealed himself to me. And I have a choice, and I'm going to follow him as hard as it's going to be from now on. Mm -hmm. And he did. I like that, too, because um, so I I was born Catholic, raised Catholic, grew up Catholic my whole life. And I never really had, I mean, definitely I had, you know, kind of ebbs and flows of enjoying church more and enjoying church less, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) But I never, you know, I never stopped going to Mass at times because of my family and then mm-hmm. and then gradually because I fell in love with Jesus Christ. Um and I, I never, you know, never never did anything like 
really horrible. <laughs> right? Nothing like, edgy. Nothing too like edgy. edgy. I was not an edgy person. Yeah. <laughs> and I can remember, honestly, I can remember being at youth conferences and, and, and speakers talking about, like, whatever you've done, you can come back to God. I'm like, but I haven't done anything. <laughs> Is there Were right you disappointed? You <laughs> well, in a weird way, yes. right? Yes, and I, I've reflected on this over the years and just, like, given thanks to God for my story, right? Mm-hmm. As yes. small and little and boring. <laughs> as it is. Um, but but in a strange way, kind of feeling like I want that deep encounter with God that seems to come with a conversion or a reversion of, of some kind, right? Um, and often feeling like the oldest son in the story of the prodigal son mm, where, yeah. like, but I have worked for you all my life and I want a goat. <laughs> Give me the goat, man. Right. I'm sure we could find you a goat, sister. Oh, thank you. I would really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, uh, But but I think, you know, what you were saying about, you know, God not forcing his grace on anyone. And some of us have have big dramatic stories and some of us have very little and boring stories, um, but not to God. Right. Because Mm -hmm. the grace of God is always dramatic um, and no matter what it's it's moving me to. And. If, if I am truly opening my heart to receive the grace of God, then then it makes a radical difference, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how how small or how boring I feel that it is. Um, and it's it's been a real grace in my life to come to to accept and to see like the the waves of grace in my life in those times when I thought like, well, I'm not really doing anything exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, it's it's important no matter what your story is to recognize, yeah, God God is moving and therefore, you know, there's there's the beautiful drama of grace and the mm-hmm. radicalness of, of his love at work in you right now. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah. I imagine too, like I'm I don't know, as you're speaking, I'm just kind of imagining like you getting to heaven and talking to your guardian angel and finding out about some like massively like disruptive that things that were just like barely averted <laughs> yeah. that would have made your story so much yeah. less quote unquote boring yeah. but also like thank god you yeah. Know? yeah yeah like so even the stuff that <laughs> seems kind of like boring or mundane on the side it's i don't know and the yeah in the eyes of heaven could be extremely dramatic yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah and in the end right it's it's the movement of god and and looking back over my story over the years yeah i, mm-hmm. I see different like waves and and movements of grace yeah. and that is already I mean, that's all I want, right? Sure. Um, yeah. So don't worry. I've gotten over that. You know, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I don't have to talk you out of your disappointment. No, no. Okay. I'm good okay. now. <laughs> I would still like a goat, though. That would be helpful. We'll try to find you a goat. <laughs> yeah. I love that, though, because I think it actually brings out an element later in this passage that you read us, um, Sister Emily, where where um, Paul says, Jesus, so that Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Because no matter what our story is, we always struggle with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Each of us struggle with our own stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like anyone listening can look back on their life and say, yeah, like, <laughs> I struggle with my own story too. Mm-hmm. But in our struggle, no matter what it was caused by, no matter what it is that we struggle with, Jesus shows such patience in, in, in waiting for us to see the gift that he has either given or worked out of Um some circumstance in our life and he stands there and keeps shedding light on it until we notice (laughs) and until we can thank him for it and in that patience he teaches us to be patient even with understanding his story and and what it means for him to live in us and and that patience really allows us to hold and receive the grace that he offers us but also um, to live out of it like really to live out of it Mm -hmm. also this is my new thing Fresh off the presses. 
I, I have been reflecting on the patience of God, mm. right? And how when I think, okay, I need to be patient with myself or I need to be patient with another sister or another person, um, patience is kind of something that I almost grudgingly do. Like, mm. it's not easy to be with you right now, but I will be patient, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I think that that's a human, that's my human perspective on patience. And I think that God's perspective on patience like God loves to be patient with mm. us. Mm. God wouldn't be anything. That, that is who God is, right? To to show us his patience and his mercy and his love and to wait for us and to shed light. That's that's just who God is. He wouldn't do anything else. So it's not something that God says, well, all right, we'll be patient because you're not getting it. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just flowing out of who God is as mm-hmm. love and mm-hmm. as mercy. Um, so I, I, I have been... Yeah, it's been beautiful to kind of reflect on that and realize, okay, what I think of as patience when I read this passage is not what God is doing with patience. Mm-hmm. Right. And Paul actually um, explains in, in one of his letters as well, like, we, we know that God is love from John, right? He just state, flat out states it. And Paul kind of breaks down like, love is patient. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what love is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, too, as you guys were talking about patience, God's perspective is so not our perspective, like ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, and true. especially whenever we're talking about something time-based, mm-hmm. God's perspective is not our yeah. perspective. He's not waiting for years for us to come to some conclusion. He's already seen mm. when that conclusion right. will be reached, when we'll finally right. get there, because he can just see it. And um, and so his idea of having patience with us is very different from us having patience with one another, too. Yeah. So it's, it's something that we imitate him in, but imperfectly, yeah. because we have such a different perspective. And uh, it's it's interesting to me to to think about my own story or about Paul's story or whatever from the perspective of God, and uh, yeah, just the whole hindsight thing is uh, I don't know just how impressive that can be yeah. and like how almost life altering it can be to like look back and to see that something that made you so bitter or so angry or so upset or like broke your heart, you know, can can play out for something good and to be able to see that from God's perspective, like even more so like all of the hearts involved and all of the, you know, everything that's going on there and just the wisdom of God and the beauty of God and, and all that he does with that. And I think, I think St. Paul gets there sometimes. Like I think he had the grace of really at times seeing things from God's perspective. And that's probably what makes his letters so darn convoluted to read <laughs> because he's like, I'm seeing this from a perspective that I cannot put into words. Yeah. Um, well, that needs literally writing with no punctuation marks. <laughs> Who needs punctuation? I mean, really. You are the grammar queen. <laughs> I, am, I am. Actually, God speaks to me through punctuation sometimes. So, <laughs> um, But but even the other thing that, that strikes me about this passage is the the conviction that Paul speaks with when he says certain things. Mm -hmm. So that line, um, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Mm. Full stop. Mm -hmm. Like that's the gospel message right there, Mm -hmm. you know, in eight words or whatever. But, Mm. um, but, but Paul deeply internalized that and deeply believed that. And for him, it wasn't just a sentence, right? It's, Mm. it's his life. I'm a sinner. Christ Jesus came into the world. Jesus is in the world and he came to save me. Hmm. There's something else that Paul wrote that I tend, I don't know if I've done it on the podcast yet, but I tend Are you trying to, to connect this to your famous? Uh, well, yeah. So like, I, honestly, it's, um, it's something that I feel like almost becomes for me 
like a mission statement or like almost it summarizes Paul for me mm-hmm. is um, in Ephesians chapter one, verse 12, when he says that we might exist for the praise of his glory. I feel like that's really Paul's point in anything that he's ever writing. Yeah, right. it's a key. Yeah. And and it's like, you know, people people will wonder, oh, what's the meaning of life or, you know, and they'll give silly answers like 42 or, you know, like different things. And <laughs> yeah. um, I've confused a this goat. family. Some a people goat. get it. A goat is the meaning of life. Okay. <laughs> give me the goat. Um, but but here he says that we might exist for the praise of his glory. And like that's the whole reason for our existence is for the praise of his glory. And that's like mm-hmm. not just because God wants this glory and so he's created this race of people to be able to, you know, praise his glory. But it's so that we have the joy and the and the participation in his glory that he he gives it to us uh, to share with him and and to live it and to um to exist for it. It's just like mind-boggling. But I feel like that's Paul's that's what Paul is inviting every single person he ever writes to or preaches to you know to really consider that that we might exist for the praise of his glory. And whatever is in my life that's not pointing me toward that or that's pulling me away from that um needs to be reconsidered and looked at again. Right. And I think sometimes when we when we look back at either, you know, certain passages in, in scripture or even sometimes old prayers, the ways the ways that they're worded, we can in our modern mentality sometimes fall into the trap of almost almost having the the glory and praise of God sounding like clap, 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 accolades, yay, you're the uh-huh. best. Like yeah. but he doesn't need a cheering squad. He is just as glorious without us as with us. Like right. in and of himself, he is inherently who he is. Mm-hmm. But his joy is in sharing his love. Mm-hmm. And if his joy is in sharing his love, if if that is you know, the glory of God and just what he does and who he is, how much more beautiful it is that he is willing to share it and desires to share it with those who are so much like lesser than him and bring not only just share it with them, but bring them into that identity, that fullness of of who he is. And and that's when like we really see it's almost like we see the rays more clearly mm-hmm. the more that they're shared among the people around us and through our own selves. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what what Paul brings to that, too, is God's glory is not just like angels in the sky singing glory to God and and peace on earth. And it's not just like the beautiful thing. You know, it's not just sunsets. It's not just (laughs) (laughs) but it it really is those things that are are deeply human that Mm -hmm. God infuses with the divine. Right. So, you know, when you see something that that just makes your heart kind of like tighten or or constrict like. When I don't know things like um, like sometimes in sporting events, you know, somebody falls down and the person on the opposite team like goes and helps them finish the mm-hmm. race. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a mundane example. But but then you think about, you know, places of severe conflict and and violence and where, you know, like that that moment in World War Two when the on Christmas Eve, when when the fighting ceased and the troops sang Silent Night together. Right. Those kind of moments that just make your heart go like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am alive. I am mm-hmm. human. Right. Um, and and why? Because God God is in difficult moments loving, and that that's the glory of God, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that I think is what Paul brings to that. That like yes, sunsets and yes, beautiful flowers <laughs> and clouds and whatever you find glorious, but also yeah, also the deep dark places of your heart where God mm-hmm. is and God is loving. When we see those things, like that is what we're praising. Like that's mm-hmm. where God's glory is, and that's what we're praising. Mm-hmm. There's that. I forget the name of the praise and worship song. I'm not a huge praise and worship fan, but there's there's this song where 
Part of the lyrics go, you make everything glorious. Yeah. And I am yours. What does that make me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because we really are something that God can show his glory through. Again, not to show off, but even to illuminate who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love that kind of turn of phrase that they have there. It's very Pauline to me. Like it mm-hmm. kind of comes yeah. out of this letter almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sisters, should we share what our one takeaway is going to be for the episode? Only one takeaway we get? If it you can't need, be a goat. If you need more than one. Goat. Oh, all right. All right. Besides the goat. <laughs> Besides, Besides the, goat. the goat. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, my takeaway is just um, kind of feeling called to to walk away from this recording and kind of re-examine what is it that I'm putting my identity in? Am I Am I shifting part of my own understanding of who or what I am to things like either my failures or my talents or something else other than um, who God is and and who he is for me. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, I'm really glad you brought in that element of the the praise of his glory because I think what I hope to to reflect on and to continue praying with is God's glory present in my life, not in, you know, big dramatic ways again, but um, but yeah, the the moments where or the places or you know the the corners of my heart where um where there are things that God is working on in a really glorious way um and to to accept those and to to welcome God into those places and also to pray for for people who are are struggling maybe with those areas that they too could could behold the glory of God really really present in their lives mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what Sister Emily said. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again. But um, <laughs> but my takeaway is going to be something kind of based on something you said, but I'll, I'll see if I can kind of summarize it here. But just the idea that like maybe I am kind of um, my brain just like spasms. It was or so something. amazing that it, it eludes words. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the the question that it raised for me of like, am I allowing frustrations or um, difficulties in my story to, I don't know, kind of detract from what God might be doing in my life or like calling me to? Um, and and how how do I look at my, my own personal vocation uh, through the lens of kind of the things that happen in my life that maybe feel frustrating or whatever? Um, and, and just kind of seeing that as part of the story, as part of his perspective. Mm. So for our closing prayer today, um, we're actually going to be praying the last verse uh, in this section that Sister Emily has chosen. And if you have your scripture open in front of you, you are welcome to join with us. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be Be honor honor and glory forever and ever. ever. Amen. Jesus, Master, way, truth, and life. Have mercy mercy on us. Mary, Queen of the Apostles, pray pray for for us. St. Paul the Apostle, pray Pray for for us. Thank you so much, and we'll see you in two weeks. God bless you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.